0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we're looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast.
1: And I'm Pete Wright, and we're really thrilled that you can join us once again for the Save the Leviathan casts with Pete and Andy. Mmm. Mm.
0: These poor creatures. These poor, poor creatures. That's right. Today we are talking about Minute 118, which begins with the game of Follow the Arrow and ends with our second odd mirror shot of the film. This is, again, a uh, an episode in uh, – uh, we're thinking about Dr. Arnold T. Blumberg. schedule. Uh. Conflicts abound. Uh, so this is the uh, third of our Dr. Arnold T. Blumberg um, in, honor. in oh, honor you don't call it uh, he wouldn't be memorial because he's still with us <laughs> he's, he's still with us <laughs> his schedule is a mess but uh yes we we certainly look forward to future conversations with him yes all right this is a continuation we are coming in in the middle of the franchise follow shots this was kind of a big one because this was a chance it started in our last minute but we basically started with Natasha on the Chitauri sled, leading to Iron Man, leading to uh, Hawkeye, and we're coming in to the start of this minute with Clint and uh, and his arrows as he spins and takes a shot. Uh, again, the last minute kind of ended with him pointing the arrow right in our faces, and then of course he shoots it. If we follow it. Takes out this. Uh, it hits the Chitari pilot in the back of his head. Takes their sled out, and that leads us to Hulk on the back of a Leviathan, and uh, Thor joins him, and that's kind of the follow shot that we have. I mean, in the scope of long shots and complicated shots, it's not incredibly long, but we are they very purposefully designed this shot so we get to see all six of our heroes in action. I mean, how does yeah. it play for you?
1: I, it plays really well. I mean, I, I love it. I think it's artfully designed to give us the Rube Goldberg machine of action that, that actually doesn't make any one of the characters feel lesser, uh, in so doing. And, and so even Hawkeye, who, you know, could be lampooned a bit in the rest of the movie, like he's up on that thing and he's doing his arrow thing. And I like watching Hawkeye doing his arrow thing. But in particular, watching how all of the action is connected, right? That the the way they integrate all of each hero's activities throughout the course of this minute, I think is really smart. And
0: obviously it works because as they've said, you know, we've got to contain this to this three block radius. So it's not like we're jumping you know, over to Jersey's shores or something and following, like, incredible leaps of of space as the camera zips around. It's it's all kind of relatively contained. And to that end, it it just makes it fun. And it also, it's an interesting thing because it's keeping the action in a confined space, but it still makes it feel really big. And that's, I think, yeah something that I like about this. It feels like there's a lot going on to this battle. Yeah,
1: right, right. Yeah, it doesn't feel as much like, you know, when you're playing a, um, well, like the Spider-Man video game, right? Incredibly detailed view of New York, but it's really not to scale. This feels like they've they've adequately captured the sense of scale and scope in this shot.
0: Right? Yeah, absolutely. The Chitari sled that uh, that Clint takes out—it's about to crash into the New York Public Library, but then this Leviathan flies by and it looks like it crashes into its face. The start of many awful things that happened to this poor (laughs) Leviathan. Again, they are the friendly sea cows of our universe that have uh, been bio to the point where they are under somebody else's control. We... Um, you know, we're going to be the Hermione Grangers of the MCU <laughs> yeah. petitioning fair treatment of the, of the Leviathans. It's just awful because what's yes. happening on its back Hulk is on its back, fighting the Chitari, ripping things off of it. Again, it's just the biomech attachments. Um, he's heading up Fifth Avenue on the back of the Le- Leviathan. Thor lands somewhere between 43rd and 44th Street ish. Again, it's CG City, kind of hard to tell because it's Cleveland. Where are all these Chitauri coming from? I don't know. But we do get kind of a good view of everything going on with the Leviathan and everything. I mean, you,
1: So you mean, where are they coming from in terms of climbing up the back? Yeah. On top right. of the back are, that they're beating? Like, are yeah. they
0: getting born from yes. Mama, Mama Leviathan and then swinging
1: up the side? Yeah, I, I, they're I, just <laughs> climbing up the side. That's exactly what I envision. Like, they're being okay. born and swinging up with their little umbilicals to well, the okay, top. But, and then they're so, immediately killed.
0: So what's interesting about that? Then thinking about like these creatures being born from their mama, they're 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 cognizant of their surroundings while they're still in their birth sacks. Because yes. some of them say, "Ooh, I'm going to be born, but I'm going to shoot out to that wall and <laughs> climb down it." And others are saying, "Ooh, something's on Mama's back. I'm going to just pop out and climb up Mama."
1: There's I just want to say there's a non-zero chance that we're wrong <laughs> about the intention. Of this. I'm going to say non zero generously. Uh, but but I prefer, let's just say that, I prefer everything we're saying about the <laughs> genesis do. of the <laughs> And now they're in utero sentience. Yes, <laughs> Spatial sure. awareness is horrible <laughs> <laughs> and fantastic all at once.
0: It's just, it's. It's crazy, it's it's horrible, it's disgusting, but it's so much fun to yeah. imagine all of this. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, as they take these Jatari out, it leads Hulk to rip off a chunk of the armor from the Leviathan and then stab it in its back with this <laughs> chunk. And then Thor's like, oh, hey, I see what you're doing there. I'm going to help out. Takes Mjolnir yeah. and, and sledgehammers that piece into this poor, poor friendly sea cow of the skies and (laughs) and it screams do you hear the Jatari or the the Leviathan scream as like we get this shot (laughs) of it as it's kind of kind of like descending down to Grand Central Terminal it's like this, (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, they just basically severed its spine. Yeah, This thing crashes in. You you can see the awning at Tequilaville below, which is a, on Vanderbilt, northwest of Grand Central Terminal. It's nice to have those little markers in here so you can kind of figure out where we are. I don't know where the Leviathan made a hard right turn. It had to have if it was going up Fifth Avenue and then it crashes into Grand Central Terminal. It doesn't really make sense, but somehow it made a hard right.
1: Well, wait, and don't then- we see the hard right? like at Or is that a different hard right you're saying? Where like a hard, hard right ride. at 17, 17, 18. It comes around a corner making a right toward it's, camera. Uh, again, this
0: is one of those things. Grand Central Terminal is on the right of the screen. So it's coming through that, that street there. It mm-hmm. already would have had to make the right to come through the street that we're seeing as uh, 17, To 18, make it. 19. This is essentially yeah. a second right. Yeah. Well, it's not making again. a right. It's going straight into It's It's making a uh a, it's kind of. An angle to the right Because Grand Central Terminal We see it It's on the right there Like it's crashing Into Grand Central Terminal Yeah, because Tequilaville Is right there At the bottom left Of the screen Yep, yep, got it Yeah, so it's just crashing Into Grand Central Terminal Right here um, Yeah And comes crashing down To the ground Pete, this is a horrible Horrible scene because you just made it.
1: So I just want you to know I've never seen the detail that you pointed out to me before we started recording. And it is the most gruesome minute. It may be more gruesome because of the violation against this poor, defenseless sea cow. It may be more gruesome than Red Mist in Captain America. <laughs> it might be
0: the worst minute in the franchise. Uh, this is the movie with eyeball trauma. We already had the guy's eyeball <laughs> plucked out earlier, um, and now we've got the, the sea cow of the skies who crashes into Grand Central Terminal. When he comes to a stop, if you watch... I've never seen this until you know prepping for this a minute at a time. The little electric... Uh, shocks that I'm, it's kind of i don't know i don't know if it's from its own suit because we've seen the leviathan suits kind of have kind of their own like electric energy dancing yeah. along their bodies as they fly through the skies or if it's from mjolnir and thor's lightning having like zapped it but as it comes to a stop we see a few little sparks of lightning around its face and then blow up its eyeball <laughs> it blows up its eyeball, blows up its eyeball. Blows up its eyeball. It's just horrifying right at about 25, 26 seconds.
1: It's just. Oh my God. It's just incredible. Somebody thought of that. Somebody thought of that. Somebody's sitting there thinking, you know what would really level up this minute of this movie, this scene, is the eyeball God. pop, the electric oh. eyeball pop. Oh,
0: just awful.
1: Just, just awful. <laughs> it's so People bad. are sick.
0: But you know what? Maybe by having the visual effects artist come up with that, it kept them off the streets and actually trying this on their neighbor. So, you know, you got to think
1: about. Boy, (laughs) you made uh, some visual effects artist. You made them really mean, (laughs) like really dark. You humanized it in a way I didn't see coming. Yeah, they needed this. (laughs) If you are listening to the show and you're the visual effects artist that came up with the Leviathan eyeball pop, we want to talk to you badly. Yes, For many reasons, because I'm sure the rest of your catalog of contributions is extraordinary, but this is peak work right here. (laughs)
0: Oh, man. Um, This is the actual spot where we see Tombs in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. He's working in this very location. Which is really
1: cool. And and I think that is one of the things I mean, when you talk about about uh, Marvel being such an extraordinary like blockbuster hit maker, right, we get these kinds of tie ins. And that was I remember the feeling of watching Tombs working on this sequence and seeing that they are really working to tie the Battle of New York into all these other properties. And that ends up being a real gift that you get with whatever you think of the individual movies, like the narrative, the sort of comic style narrative that is tied together film to film to film is super gratifying for me as a nerd. Like, I like it. I like watching those kinds of things. So I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, it's nice to see those beats as they kind yeah. of are, are, are fleshed out over the continuing franchises. Even like Hawkeye, the show where we are watching all of the stuff going on from a different perspective as Haley Steinfeld is watching him go through all the actions and, you know, falls in love with the idea of being a cool mm-hmm. archer. Yeah. It's awesome. For sure. Yeah. Hulk and Thor there. Uh, is this the start of their love, hate relationship? <laughs> I feel like it really is.
1: <laughs> well, was the hate, the hate, hate relationship. Was it love, hate when they went in the battle of the helicarrier?
0: I think that was hate-hate, and this is the start of love-hate, because they're working okay. together. But it's kind of like, we love working together, but it's kind of like, you're still a puny god, and I'm going to punch you. Like, there's something about it that I still feels like, we can be friends, but we'll also hit each other a lot. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I like that, and I think it pays off. Like, it's a, it's funny that uh, this joke, this long-running joke, is set up to pay off in Ragnarok is <laughs> a friend from work, which ends yeah. up being a... Wonderful, 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 like, tie-in. Yeah, it's
0: very fun. And I think this is where we get kind of that joy of the two of them. Like, this is an Asgardian. I'm mean, sorry, this is a, a um, Midgardian that Thor can actually tussle with and I can actually take an Asgardian beating. And that's, I think, something that draws Thor to him as a kind of almost an equal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. We go back up to the top of Stark Tower and find Eric Selvig. He is alive. Now that we've been talking about this film so much though, do you wonder like why he doesn't go through the same Andy Warhol color treatment that Clint did? <laughs>
1: that's a really great that's a really great point. We don't have pop art Selvig. No, yeah. God, that's right. He's just he's just Selvig with a headache. I don't know if
0: it's because he didn't have to fight it as much as presumably Clint did. Like he really enjoyed the idea of the science. And so perhaps for him, it was like, oh, I'm just I was doing some bad stuff, but it was science and I really loved it. Like like there wasn't a big ask in the scope of like the mental strains that he had to go against in order to uh, or when the mind control took him as opposed to Clint, who is just like, you're asking me to kill people and do all of this stuff, is completely against my character. I 100% don't want to do it. And so the mind control really had to affect him. Like, is
1: that a way that we could potentially no-prize this? Yeah, I, I think that's I, it's kind of the only way to no-prize this, right? Like, I, I think that makes total sense. I do, you know, I wonder on that point of, of Selvig, you know, it, it takes me all the way back to, you know, post-credits, a uh, post-credit Selvig where he's undermined control sort of and how much has he been able like it, how much of a willing participant has he really been and and because he was a sort of cognitive guinea pig for Loki does that ease his his freedom or yeah to your point because he didn't fight it I don't know that doesn't mean he doesn't you know look a mess <laughs> no, he definitely looks a mess.
0: Um, I mean, at least he's free. We do get to kind of watch as that crazy blue glowing eyes go away, mm-hmm. and this is his moment to kind of realize, you know, the what hath I wrought. This is his Alec Guinness from the yes. Bridge on the River Kwai moment, you know, where he's just like, my God, and now, now he's going to just like, just like Alec Guinness, figure out what he can do to blow up his own bridge.
1: Mm-hmm. Then we're then we get more military. Then the national uh, is national yeah the Guarantee. national guard i
0: guess is is showing up after their comments that you know we're g- it's going to be an hour or however long it was It hasn't been an hour No they were just teasing the cops This is this this is how they rib the New York uh, PD right.
1: They uh, were at or, Grand Central 42nd Street <laughs> station the whole time <laughs>
0: yeah, we We're already here you idiot
1: in fact, we should go back and scout each previous minute for, like, helmets behind barriers, like, sneaking around. <laughs> like, they're
0: just hiding from the cops. Yeah. They're the worst. They're the worst. Um, this, of course, was filmed in Cleveland. This was a, a location they dressed to look like, um, uh, 42, the 42nd Street station. And, um, yeah, and then we cut to Cap. This is a weird moment. Um, you know, I mentioned it, it kind of in my intro that we end this particular shot after he takes this chitari out that's nearly stabbing him. We watch the chitari fall and the camera, as, as it, it follows the chitari Yeah. And it lands on, uh, I don't know, like the side mirror of like a box truck, those mirrors that stick out really far. And this is where we watch Cap like the end of this scene playing out with cap as he's hearing barton calling into him cap the bank on 42nd past madison all that sort of stuff we're going to see that in tomorrow's minute Uh, thoughts on this the construction of this like oh i have an idea let's let's follow uh the chitauri fall and we'll watch all of cap through the mirror like what do you think of this
1: well I Well, first of all, I like it. I mean, I think it's another one of those sort of artful shots. And it goes maybe all the way back to the beginning of this movie when we have another use of mirror shot in the weird antique warehouse (laughs) that Natasha is uh, is being held in when we first meet her. Like there is this this sort of non-trivial love of mirrors that that it feels like our director or cinematographer happened to have. I, I like this. It's a weird sense of place, I think, because it, it does indicate, right, that Cap has fallen off the viaduct, right? Because the viaduct is behind him, in the mirror. Is that what your read on it is? He jumped down,
0: remember? Like, he um, jumped off the viaduct to go battle...
1: you're right uh, you're right you're right you're right he did the car leap thing yes right that put him on the ground okay that's right yeah um so yeah i i do i like that we still have a sense of place i like that it i i think it's a clever use of this as a transitional moment and um i don't know that it's necessarily saying anything more broadly than hey look we have a mirror let's see what happens yeah it's is it weird to you? I mean, it feels like you're you're not moved. I
0: just I mean, it's creative. I I think that this is that line that I find when directors decide to move forward with a shot like this with their team where it's like, "Oh, this is interesting. Let's let's do the shot like this." And it does give us an interesting perspective of the space, but it's also such a small mirror that it's it's like we don't really get to see kind of the 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 fighting or the buildings or anything that are behind cap like we're not getting a full sense of things it's so small in the frame that part of me wonders like if it ends up kind of defeating the intentions that the filmmakers were going for like Of showing, giving us this dead Chitauri while also showing us Cap and everything going on behind him. Like, I think if we had used the big mirror that is kind of below this little mirror that's all kind of broken and on the ground, that might have given us a little bit more. But because it's such a small mirror, it's like one of those things where it's like, I feel like it's not conveying quite as much as they might have been hoping to convey. And I think that's where I land with it.
1: I would just say that uh, this shot see, and I think what we'll see in the next minute tomorrow, we're uh, talking with Father David about uh, and it picks up right here and Cap stands up like he stands up big, like a big hero guy in a small mirror on a small screen. I don't think it translates very well. This is a shot that wasn't made for home video. I think it was a shot made for like IMAX, right? Like it's made for the big screen experience and probably my memory of it would have been better had we just watched it on a giant screen. Maybe at the same time again, I
0: just think if you're going to show a shot like this, like give us like the bigger mirror like this. It's almost one of those like the Jurassic Park dinosaur, uh, the T-Rex bit, where it's like object and mirror may be closer than it appears. (laughs) It's like that kind of curved mirror. And, and so, yeah. but it's like, it's not using it in any way where, like, Spielberg so smartly used that to yeah. an incredibly funny effect in that movie. In here, it's like, okay, but it's not even, like, he's not even close enough to it where it's, like, making him bigger than he appears. No, it makes him, it looks smaller. Yeah, it's just such a, I, I don't know, I, I struggle with it. We'll talk to Father David about it tomorrow, though, and, and see what his, his thoughts are. I'm curious how he reads uh, the decision, because it's definitely an interesting one, so... But that's uh, pretty much the end of the minute so any last any anything last about this minute and everything we have going on lots of
1: action no no it's lots of action and more Dead shatari, and we're still we're still just smashing it's just more smashing <laughs> still just
0: smashing All right. Well, let's wrap it up. As we said, we'll be back with Father David tomorrow to talk about Minute 119 and then the next day, 120. Should be a lot of fun uh, wrapping up our conversations with him for this season. So that's it for today. Everybody, don't forget, if you're not finding the podcast, uh, the links in your show notes, you can just go to marvelmovieminute.com and you can learn more about our membership where you can get early access to ad-free episodes. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Pete, thanks as always. That's right, Andy.
1: Tomorrow, we got to go to the bank to make the deposits. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yavo find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.